Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. It takes three years to learn how to talk and listen. And when, when you're doing that, then you can be spontaneous and you can breathe and you can be present and reactive and not have to plan everything out. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of In the Envelope, a very special episode we have planned for you today with Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, the SAG Award-nominated star of The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is the Aaron Sorkin drama film you may have heard about. It's getting, it's one of the films getting plenty of award season attention at this most delicious part of award season when all the nominations are just coming out and contenders are just coming into focus. Yahya, of course, is also known for winning an Emmy <laughs> most recently um, on HBO's Watchmen, which if you haven't heard our wonderful joint interview with Core Jefferson and Damon Lindelof about all things Watchmen, do go back and listen to that. But the thing about this interview with Yahya, it's been said on this podcast before, but for me, the takeaway, it, it was so clear speaking to him how there is no one path towards success in the entertainment industry. And in fact, Yahya has a pretty unique way into the industry, which again, everyone has a completely different way into it, but he never approached it from the perspective of like, I know exactly what is required to become a working actor. It was something he decided to try after being laid off from his job as an architect. And of course, he'd gotten bit by the acting bug before that. So he details all of that in this interview. We got to touch on the trial of the Chicago 7. We touched a little bit on Watchmen at the very end. We also touched on two of his very exciting upcoming projects, one of which is the Jordan Peele written Candyman, which has been delayed. And the other is uh, The Matrix 4. So it's a very exciting year for Yahya. It was very cool to talk to him at this point in his career. The other thing I wanted to mention, The Trial of the Chicago 7, if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, either way, this interview is great. But I encourage you to see it and I encourage you to look at all of the amazing background work the role, the work of all of the background actors in this movie. And just an FYI, for those of you who are maybe aspiring actors, early career working actors, who have not signed up for Backstage. Backstage, I'm looking at all, I have all of these open tabs on my computer of all of the many casting listings that The Trial of the Chicago 7 posted on Backstage. They sought background talent for this film. If you've seen the film, you understand they had a lot of background talent to cast Backstage was there as a resource filling those roles. So keep an eye on backstage casting notices. And as always, stick around after each of our interviews on this podcast to hear from your very own backstage casting insider, Christine McKenna Torella, who's there to illuminate all things backstage, how to use the product to launch your career. This week, she has some very interesting things to say about Yahya. 
And with that, I am so excited for you all to hear this interview. Let's take a quick break and then get to Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. For your awards consideration, the HBO original series The Undoing, nominated for four Golden Globe Awards, including Best TV Limited Series. Starring powerhouse actors Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, both nominated for their leading roles at the Golden Globes and SAG Awards, and Donald Sutherland, Golden Globe nominated for Best Actor in a TV Supporting Role. The Undoing, now streaming on HBO Max. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is best known for his work in The Get Down, The Greatest Showman, Aquaman, and Watchmen, which just last year won him an Emmy Award. The architect-turned-Yale School of Drama graduate will next star in The Matrix 4 and Candyman, and is currently SAG Award-nominated for playing activist Bobby Seale in Aaron Sorkin's Netflix film The Trial of the Chicago 7. Here is Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yahya. Hi. How you doing, man? I'm so, I'm so much better now that we are speaking. This week is a lot. Or this yeah. day, some, this time. I don't know. My motto for 2021, just for this year, is yes. take it easy. You know, just <laughs> I think great. we all deserve some ease in our lives right now. Totally. I'm definitely attempting to give that, that gift to myself of, of ease and Anybody else who has the desire to do it, man, I'm just, we all need that right now, especially Absolutely. after 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 last year, you know, so it's the top of the year, you know, if it's, if it's going to be a long, you know, plenty of things are going to happen this year. We don't have to rush. We, we, we you know, we just had to, <laughs> we just had to begin. So, yeah, you know, I'm putting ease That's out into advice. the world, man. That's great advice already. Um, as you know, we're backstage. We're all about the, the craft and career advice. I love um, backstage, man. I know. I'm gonna. I want to ask you about it because it's actually. I was looking at your um, 2016 backstage cover story, oh, which shit, yeah, that was my. I think that was my I, first yeah, cover ever. It must have been your yeah, which is so exciting. But also, that was what the very eve of your career. Like that was your first big project. It was for the Get Down. Sure. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Yeah. So now, I mean, that is insane. The past four years. And I got to say, like, looking at your resume versus, like, the other guests we tend to have on this podcast, you have a very interesting trajectory. And I might need to ask <laughs> you for your whole life story. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, we'll go through it. Talk to me about your, like, earliest inspirations. Like, I understand acting did not become a thing. Talk to me about how acting became a thing for you. <laughs> well, I think in order to do, to do that, you got to start at the beginning. You know, you got to start at me being um, the mm-hmm. youngest of six in this household that moved around a lot, went to 13 different schools before college. Um, yeah. they, they called us the Black Brady Bunch. You know, we had a mom, a dad, six kids, a station wagon. We, we had the dog. We didn't have a picket fence, but we had a chain link fence, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, our, our house was the house where all the kids in the neighborhood, they came over. Our, our house was like a safe haven. You know, my mm-hmm. mother was excellent at being a homemaker. And my father was a father figure in the na- in the neighborhood to young men and young, young women who might not have had fathers in their homes. And mm. uh, we didn't we didn't always know how blessed and fortunate we was. It was just kind of w- what our life was. And, 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 you know, but our even though we weren't well off, 
our parents protected us in that mm-hmm. way. You know, I start from the beginning because my mother, being an excellent homemaker that she was, she always made sure that we had adventure, you know, in the household. And sure. my earliest memories are like, I always bring up Dick Van Dyke. I, I, uh-huh. I grew up on Dick Van Dyke. I grew up on, you know, uh, uh, black and white television and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Mary Poppins. And uh, he wasn't in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, but Bed Knobs and Broomsticks and Peach huh. Dragon. And so all of these these kids, you know, shows that that uh, lent that, that were great for, uh, you know, a young group of, you know, f- six kids mm-hmm. who 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 just needed some type of escape, you know, and, and all of adventure. those were, were, were adventure tales. Okay. So I don't know how many times I go into the backyard and we try to build a floating car, the floating car or the floating flying car from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> or we or we roast our apples. Uh, trying to uh, emulate uh, the peach dragon and, and, and you know, the, the, the dragon heating up, heating up the apples, you know, and singing those songs and dancing. So we were very adventurous, imaginative kids and myself being the youngest um, and, you know, the baby boy of the group is right. myself, four, four girls. And then uh, and then another and then my, my oldest brother at the end, I was sort of like the uh, the the star of the group. You know? <laughs> sure. Um, so I got away with things. I was spoiled. I was teased, but yeah. I was, like I said, I think I was sort of like the, the young star of the group. I got away with the most things. And that lent itself to, to me growing up and being in these new places, all of these new schools. And I was never a class clown. I, I, I would say that I was never a class clown, but I found mm-hmm. that humor was my way in being the okay. new kid. You know, humor was my was my way in. I was always very smart and very quiet, but I was surprised. I was always that guy that was surprisingly funny. And once I got to high school, that was the first time I got a chance to be to make friends for three or four consecutive years Um, because I didn't change high schools. I went to one. I went to one high school. So my personality, I came out of my shell year after year after year. By the time I was in my senior year. I was uh, playing basketball and I was on the track team and uh, and I was on the debate team and I played chess and I hosted the pep rallies. You know, I dressed like Michael Jackson and I hosted the you know, hosted the pep <laughs> rallies and I ran for I ran for homecoming king and I lost that to my best friend and I ran for uh, prom king and I won that finally because he had right. won it all since <laughs> since since eighth grade. I know I'm giving you. I want to get to get to where I'm That's- going, but. No, yeah. This is sort of the path, you know. This is those this are is the sort ingredients of the path that I take. Yeah, these are yeah. a lot of the ingredients that, I, and and I did not know where where it was leading. I was just exactly. sort of building personality and building a taste for audiences and for making people smile. Is something that yeah. I always love to do along the way. Sure. Um, in college, I went to Berkeley. Always wanted to be an architect growing up. Studied architecture. Also ran track at Berkeley. And one of the exercises that we did in my sophomore year was sort of like a. It wasn't necessarily hazing, but they made the underclassmen perform for the upperclassmen on the track team. And oh, okay. uh, we, we go out there on, on the stage and uh, and then the whole team. It's my first time being on a, on a stage. Everything else I had done in pep rallies and stuff was just on the basketball court. This was my first time being on a stage. And I went on the, on the stage and I walked out there. I saw the whole team out there in the crowd. And I started imitating the coaches and doing doing impersonations of the coaches. Oh, okay. I was just improv, you know, improvising, and everybody started to laugh, and that was a really good feeling. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, sure. And the next day at practice, my boy JP, I gotta find JP, man. 
my boy JP, <laughs> he said, uh, we were stretching. He said, they were still talking about my improvisation. He said, dude, you got to take a theater class. It's just like recess. <laughs> and, that, and, and then the rest is history. I heard and recess. I heard, you know, recess. That sounds like oh, yeah. an easy A. You know, oh, yeah. and um, I auditioned for the class. I <laughs> got into the class and, you know, as they say, the rest is history. And I found something that I fell in love with and I took it from there. No, these are all the ingredients. And, and also, I love that you you still did have the, um, the bit by the acting bug moment. And it's so funny that that was almost like a almost like a hazing situation. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. it was then I find the the postgrad story so fascinating because talk to me about first you were laid off. I know you were laid off from your city planning job mm-hmm. and talk to me about the then move to LA because I know that you had like a quote unquote plan and you said, I'm going to yeah. give myself a certain amount of time. Oh yeah. Like you approached acting in a way that as someone who speaks to a lot of actors, that is not how most people approach it that reasonably <laughs> yeah. and that uh, <clears throat> confidently I would say. Well, that's all I knew was, was reason. You know, I, yes, I, 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 I took some acting classes, but I studied architecture. I should have, <laughs> Been, I should have, well, no, I think I should have studied, I should have been architecture. My brother should have been the engineer. Uh, but I was a very logical, and I still am a very logical person. You know, okay. um, I, I, even though I'm a dreamer, sometimes I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also hyper-literal. And so I didn't have very many examples, and I thought that the way to become an actor was to move to Los Angeles, get a McDonald's commercial. Yeah. And then after the McDonald's, it was, I mean, that was, I was very specific. My plan was to work my way up. And the only person who I knew who studied acting was a young lady who also went to Berkeley and she had done a McDonald's commercial and oh, then okay. she was in a music video and then she did a, um, she did, and just she, she was on a soap opera, I believe. And so I said, right. oh, that's, that's how you do it. That's how so you do it. Sure. I, my plan was to move to Los Angeles specifically to get a McDonald's commercial <laughs> and then I would get a background job on a soap opera. Yeah. And then I would get a line on a soap opera and then I would just be continue to be promoted. I would work my way up. And I did not go to Los Angeles. The only reason I didn't go to Los Angeles because I was because I didn't have health insurance. Sure. So I said, OK, uh, I started looking for jobs that would allow me to act and have health insurance. There turned out to be this program, Kaiser Hospital. It's a West Coast yeah. thing. I'm, I'm not sure if it's, if, it, if it's big on the East Coast, but it's a West yeah, Coast yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, thing. Uh, Kaiser had an educational program where young people would go into high schools and they would do these skits about sexual awareness and things like that. And I'm like, look, uh-huh. acting, that skits, I can make a couple bucks, I could get some health insurance, and then That's I could build up a, a cumul- <laughs> accumulate a number of <laughs> months of health insurance, and now I can move to Los Angeles. Amazing. Well, I went out, I auditioned for this, for this program, and uh, they liked my audition, but the lady, she said, hey, she said, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. With this, you know, you got to go into high schools and, and play a high school kid. And no one's going to believe that you're in high school. You didn't so, look like high uh, So this yeah. isn't going to work out. But my <laughs> husband, she said, but my husband is putting up a production of Twelfth Night, two towns over, a little city called Lafayette at Town Hall Theater in Lafayette. Yes. And they're looking for an Antonio. They're having auditions in a couple of days. And I think that you'd be pretty good. Damn. And I said, uh. <laughs> I was disappointed because I didn't get the job and I wasn't right. going to have the health insurance. But I said, OK, well, um, another one door closes, another one opens. Yep. I went out. I auditioned for this. I had some Shakespeare monologues that I had, you know, that I had known. I, take, I took a Shakespeare class at Berkeley and I go mm-hmm. out and I, I audition for Antonio. I get the part 
And while I was preparing throughout the, uh, the rehearsal process, um, two people in the cast were auditioning for graduate school. Okay. And then I said, oh, you can go to graduate school for acting. Right. It hadn't and occurred to you before it that. Didn't, no, no, it didn't occur to right. me. I was, on, I was on my way to Los Angeles to, to be in a McDonald's commercial. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, you huh. know, and so then I learned, you know, I said, oh, you can go to graduate school for acting. And uh, I said, well, shit, I, I think I'm going to try that, too. So, um, <laughs> so I, I, next thing you know, I, I went back to my, some, some of my, my, my professors at Berkeley. I said, Hey, I said, I just learned about graduate school. I said, do you think I'm good enough to go to graduate school? Mm. <laughs> and the look on their faces, they said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We think, we think that you should try it. And that was all it took was just some positive, re, 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 positive sure. encouragement along the way. Um, once I found out that that was an outlet, then I began to read a play every single day, the summer of 2011, because okay, auditions, were, auditions were in 2012. And I read a play every single day that summer of 2011, looking for monologues and trying to turn myself into an actor, getting, wow. ready, to, um, getting ready to audition. And uh, 2012 came. I auditioned for Yale and NYU and the American mm-hmm. Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, uh, ART at Harvard. I got in across the board and yeah. uh, and I decided to go to Yale. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And we're getting such a, because you're right, you are analytical. Like you you had to, reading a play a day is so exciting to me. Like that's such an amazing, um, a lot of people who decide to apply for grad school do not put in that amount of work, I think. But it's because maybe you were approaching it as a non-actor, as someone who didn't consider yourself an actor, that you Absolutely. were like, I'm going to become an actor what do I need to do to make that yeah. happen? Yeah, and I didn't have actor friends. I didn't have people to talk to, to talk about acting with. My right. my friends were uh, aspiring doctors, aspiring lawyers, aspiring uh, teachers, po- politicians, uh, some some architects, some working in right. development. Didn't nobody? I didn't know anyone who was doing what I was what I was trying to do. All of a sudden, right. And mm-hmm. watching Dick Van Dyke growing up, it's not that you were watching that thinking, I would like to be Dick Van Dyke one day. It wasn't like, I no, would like to have his no. career. You're not thinking in those terms as a kid. No, not at all. No, no, yeah. not, not at all. That was just, um, you know, I learned some songs and I didn't have a problem being a goofy kid. And, right. you know, um, Dick Van Dyke explains um, The Greatest Showman. Okay. Yeah. Dick Van Dyke explains like why I could look at something like The Greatest Showman and be like, oh, yeah, that's a world that I want to that I want to go go and explore and see what that's all about. You know, then I I came from, you know, the get down, a very specific world, a very specific character. Yeah. And then I I, and I also haven't had an appetite to go and, you know, go and do go and sing Come Alive or go and sing This Is Me, you know, in my Mm -hmm. purple spandex and, you know, get up there and go and go and do that whole thing. So. Um, I was unashamed, you know, and, and um, I think that's also a part of my calling card as well, is that I'm willing to very curious about what I'm made of and about what I can do. And uh, and, mm. and and I'm, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul and to, you know, to continue to have a good time. It's all a long exploration. You know, that's how I got into it. That's great. That's your that's kind of your artistic mission, artistic, artistic mission statement. Well, not necessarily. I think I'm still I'm still working on an artistic mission mm. statement. But what mm-hmm. I want to, what I am, I am interested in. The, uh, my artistic mission statement would have something to do with freedom. You know, I don't know mm. very many. Uh, if you look at black actors, traditionally we haven't really had the opportunities to, whether we've been encouraged or not. Black actors, the most successful ones, we're often 
expected to do one thing really, really well, maybe two things really, really well. Totally. I'm not saying that that's what we that that's the what we can do, but that's no. sort of how we generally find success. Totally. But then I look at a guy like uh, who who is this? Uh, I, I love uh, like Robert Downey Jr. You know, uh-huh. and Robert Downey Jr. is going to give you uh, uh, Iron Man. He's going to give you uh, 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 Tropic Thunder. Right. And he's going to give you a uh, chaplain. I, I think I think Robert Downey Jr. did Jr. did a chaplain or something like that. But he's done dramatic work. Like he run his his right. you know his work runs the entire gamut, right. and that's freedom. That's the freedom that's to be freedom. you know to be to be malleable and to say, hey, I'm going to follow my appetite, and I don't have this weight of representing one you know representing like yes. a whole a whole entire people. You know, I can go and do the things that I want to do. I can go and do comedy. I can go and do drama. You know, I look at Tom sure. Cruise in, in uh, Tropic Thunder, <laughs> playing the agent in Tropic Thunder. You know what I mean? And like, I said, look, I want to do something like that. Exactly. I want to do something like that. I want to go and have fun. It's acting. It should be fun. You know, and, and, and it's freedom. Yes, it's fun and it's and it's freedom. So that's that's what yeah. I'm after. Um, that's what I'm after. And I'm after other things. I also want to tell important stories. I want to tell the story of Bobby Seale. I want to yes. bring bring his story, you know, and his legacy to the screen. You know what I mean? It, that that's an important story, and I think that 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 comes with a different type of responsibility and a different type of uh, freedom. You know, you can go in there and you can own something and you can take take the narrative back and you can you mm. you, you can uh, walk into a room as Bobby Seale and you can demand respect and demand humanity mm. and demand that your voice is heard, demand that you're not silenced and you can say you can be loud and you can be bold and you can inspire people in that way. And that's an, that's an important part of a, of a, of my artistry as well, you know. I love that. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. Um can I side note? Can I ask about backstage? Did you ever use backstage for um, casting? Oh, of course, I, I stayed trying to get jobs off backstage. <laughs> I'd stay trying, <laughs> you know, submitting myself for things and try to find out what jobs, what was what. You know, I think young aspiring actors, you know, we stay on stayed on back on backstage trying trying to get the inside scoop, and then <laughs> I ended up on the cover, man, and that was <laughs> yes. Crazy, so so uh, so quickly too out of graduate school. You know that was uh, it was it was a real yeah. honor. Yeah, and so talk to me about the, the what was the timing of it? You were auditioning for the Get Down as you were wrapping up at Yale. The last show I did at Yale was a show called um, The Winter's Tale. I played Leontes uh-huh. in The Winter's Tale. I played Leontes and I played the played the the shepherd. Or we kind of we, we made him into a, a clown, and I played both those roles. Mm. And. Um, one of uh, my classmates, her agent came to see her in the show and she saw me and she said, who's that guy? And okay. she threw me a bone, which was the audition for Cadillac. And I got and I got I got the job. And um, so I got the job a couple of about a month and a half before I graduated from uh, from uh, Yale. I got the job as, as Cadillac on the get down. Oh. I walked the stage um, in June and 10 days later, I was filming the scene in, in uh, the first scene in uh, the big disco scene in uh, Les Inferno. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what did you learn from Yale? And like, um, like you just said, I think you already have established this career of, of freedom, of, of mm-hmm. constantly surprising us, maybe to the point where we are no longer sh- shocked or surprised mm-hmm. to see you in different roles. Mm-hmm. And like, we are all obsessed, of course, backstage is obsessed with how you create all these characters. Is there, mm-hmm. Are there things that you do each time for each of these different roles? How much of that came from grad school? Because grad school was, of course, your first big, real, thrown into the deep end, I assume, training. My, my teacher, Ron Van Loo, love Ron, Ron, Ron Van Loo. He said, some, yeah. some, he said a, a lot of gems, man. But I heard him <laughs> say one thing once, and uh, 
It's a little cheeky thing to say. He didn't say it to me, but he said it to, to, to the class about someone from like years and years and years before our, our, uh, our time. He said, you know, when the casting list comes out, he said, sometimes people come into my office and they say, Ron, why do you always have me play? Why do you always cast me in the same role? Now, it's not the literal same role, but you talk about archetypes or things like that. Sure. So why do you always cast me in the same role? And Ron says, well, do I cast you in the same role or do you play the same character? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, and everybody kind of said, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do I cast you in the same role or do you totally. play the same character? Mm. Um, and I did believe that I had that I could do something on the big screen. I did believe that I was like mm. built for prime time something. But what my trajectory was, you know, going back to being that very practical person. Mm hmm. Was I thought that I would go? I thought I was going to graduate from Yale, and then go to New York, and then go do plays on Broadway. The year before mm -hmm. I graduated, I, I did Shakespeare in the Park, one of my best uh, theater experiences. I thought I was going to go and do Broadway, and then yeah, you cool. know maybe get into some television and eventually do film. But I I, I knew that I was on my way to Broadway. <laughs> that was the destination. Um, and in theater, theater is a medium that encourages us to be transformative, to mm. explore, to take on different characters and personality. Film is different. Film is tricky. Film is risky because of critics. <laughs> you know wow. what I mean? Film is risky. Is film is, there's a risk because of critics and because of acclaim and long careers and gotcha. uh, 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 icons and being a sex icon and being known for these things and People, you know, so so film and film rewards you for being a staple, you know, for for having your 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 oh, product sure. that you deliver. Yeah. Denzel Washington, who is a yeah. transformative actor, a hundred percent. But it's like, you know, the Denzel Washington experience. And that's a that's a great thing. That's not that's not any that's not that's not a knock on Denzel because he's a, he's a he's a transformative uh, actor. But but film wants film to me rewards a sure thing. Yeah, almost branding. It, re it rewards branding. I think yeah. that's what reputation. I'm trying to say. Reputation, yeah. branding. It rewards a sure thing. Totally. Uh, Maybe theater even type. allows us type. Sure, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, theater allows us to experiment and to mm -hmm. make mistakes and to play different characters totally. that you would never play out into out, out in out in, in the real world yeah. and me being this guy who just came straight from uh graduate school where right. i've played the, the i've run the gamut of characters hmm. i just that's how i learned to act right and so that's what i brought to my characters you know now as my career go goes on and progresses Maybe we'll see. Maybe I'll settle into a place, and, and I'll put, I'll be I'll put together a body of work where, where my my so to speak my type or my archetype will be able to be more mm. readily identifiable. But mm. as of right now, I've been blessed <laughs> enough to have that to have options right. where, where I've been asked to uh, to be much more creative in my character in my character building, totally. and I have the courage to do it. You know, I'm I, I also believe that. I'm going to do some really bad projects. Okay. You know, I'm going to be really bad in some things. Because that's part of the gig. That's part of the gig. Me. Okay. Me. That, everybody is not going to do that. You, you know, I mm. don't think, you know, there's some actors who just are not going to be bad. You know, they're, they're not going to be bad. Sure. Um, I think that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> me, 
<laughs> I don't know. I think some. I think some. If you once you lay out all the things, I'll be like, yeah, that wasn't my best work right there. I don't know sure. what I. I was going for something I didn't. I didn't quite execute there, but I'm going for something. I'm after something, yeah. and I think that's the same for that same reason. I'm willing to say that if I stick around long enough and if I keep up this type of uh, craftsmanship, that I'm also going to be mm-hmm. really good in some things. Sure. You know what I mean? Because of because of the same type of way that I'm that I'm willing to work. So as, as August right. Wilson says, you got to take the crickets with the straights, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm willing to do that with uh, I'm willing to do that with my careers. Right. You'd rather take big risks than play it safe. And also the takeaway here is like every time you've looked at the industry and said, well, it looks like step one is this and step two is this and step three is this. <laughs> life has turned out completely differently. So yeah, 100 percent. That's how it works out. Yeah. 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 This episode is brought to you by the HBO Max original series, The Flight Attendant, nominated for two Golden Globe Awards, including Best TV Comedy. Starring Golden Globe and SAG Awards nominee Kaylee Cuoco, whose performance Entertainment Weekly calls phenomenal, and The Hollywood Reporter raves is a star turn for Kaylee Cuoco. The Flight Attendant, now streaming on HBO Max. You've talked to about in terms of the process for each of these crazy different characters, super, super hard work. And I'd love to hear about like the hard work. You're such a practical, rational person, as we're saying. But then what happens when you get on set and you want to be spontaneous? Like, how are you as a reactive listening type of performer? I think that's that's that that was the lesson that I learned at Yale. I think after three okay. years at, at, after three years at Yale, mm-hmm. if you say, what can an actor from Yale do, you know? An actor from Yale who, who comes out of Yale, now it doesn't apply across the board because you can't apply anything to everyone across the board, but an actor for, an actor who comes out of Yale has a greater degree, I believe, based on the education that I received and the education that I watched everyone, other people around me receive, mm-hmm. um, has the ability to talk and listen. Amazing. Talking, talking and listening is so hard. Yes. It takes, it takes three years to learn how to talk and listen. I promise you that it takes three years to learn how to talk and listen. And because of when when you're doing that, then you can be spontaneous and you can breathe and you can be present and reactive and not and not have to plan everything out. Film is is interesting because film film is fast. You know, film is fast. Mm. You've kind of got to come in with with some ideas. You kind of can't. I found that you can't I can't go into film and just um, and just say, okay, we're going to see what happens on the day. Gotcha. You know, so I have to plan some plan a degree of some things or set out a blueprint, I should say, and then mm-hmm. uh, see and then be able to follow that blueprint, but also be able to change with the changes. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how I how I how I play uh, on sure. set. But I it, it, it should be it should always be play. It's not always that way. And that that depends on work environment and, you know, maybe director style. Sure. Um, but that but that's how I like to that. That's the type of environment that I like to be in is, is when there's a free environment of play. Hmm. Was there an environment of play with with Bobby Seal? I got to ask you about Bobby Seal, because um, yeah, is it first of all is it different playing a real person, and how much of the work is uh, research and investigating and all of that background? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. The, the process wasn't different. Uh, okay. The responsibility was the responsibility was different. Right. The responsibility okay. to um, the stakes. The the, the stakes. Yeah. yeah. The, the stakes. You know, to go back and and, and to represent someone. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, I, I grew up in Oakland, California, know, knowing of Bobby Seale, knowing of the Black Panther Party, and I wanted to 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 honor his experience. You know, that experience that he had, you know, that Bobby Seale had uh, during this trial, 
was a horrendous experience and no one should ever, no one should ever go through that, you know, um, in life. And there were so many forces that were uh, placed up against Bobby Seale in order to make him, in order to silence him, in order to defeat him, in order to break his spirit. Um, and I wanted to protect him. You know, I went into this job wanting to be an advocate for Bobby Seale and for his story um, and for his experience. So I, I had a responsibility to him and to and to history and also to the to the to the ways in which he was an advocate for um, so many young and, and older, you know, black black people, poor people, all the way up into me, you know, growing up in Oakland. So uh, my job was to be an advocate for him and for him for his experience and for others like him when I stepped into that role. And I really I do appreciate that. That's um, of course that is the main difference is that it's uh, it feels like more of a responsibility. I, I'm curious about like the after because then you've filmed the thing. It's in post-production, a pandemic happens for one thing, but also then 2020 was a uh, crazy year involving lots of events that uh, the movie echoes, the movie echoed, you know, film, despite being filmed before all of that. So what has it been like to see it released, first of all, remotely, but then, I don't know, to see it echoed in the news and to, does the, the, the responsibility of playing Bobby Seale or talking about it change given the current climate? I think given the current climate, you know, uh, having had the experience of stepping into Bobby Seale's shoes, it, uh, one is um, it's an honor um, mm-hmm. that you know, I was the, the, the actor who was, who was blessed and who was fortunate enough to, to step into those shoes. But also, you know, the film is about, to me, the film is about courage. It's about mm-hmm. finding your role, your job in the, in the revolution. You know, there's a refrain in the film that says the whole world is watching. And... This is a moment in time where the whole world is certainly watching. What are we going to do next? What are you going to do with your voice? What are you going to do with whatever it is that you're equipped with, whatever it is that you're blessed with, or what are you going to do on the occasion of of whatever it is that you're concerned about? You know, the Mm -hmm. whole world is watching us go in. uh, We're going in one direction, you know, whether we like it or not. It could be, you know, sometimes it looks bad. And then, you know, and then the world steps in and young people step in. people of all uh, 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 ethnicities, you know, and backgrounds, they step in, you know, they step in and they, and they pull a train back on the side of right, you know. Mm. Um, but right now the world is is trying to hold on to, to something that is archaic, that is out of style, that is old fashioned, that needs to go away. And yeah. it's it, it feels like it's on its last leg and it's trying to hold on and fight back. Wow. But in the same way that, uh, you know, the characters from our uh, film, you know, stepped up and put themselves on the line and aligned themselves with the cause. I see the, I see the world responding yeah. in the same way. So, you know, it was um, it was great to see, you know, that that the message that we put out into the world um, that we intended to put out into the world uh, actually did resonate, uh, you know, with, with with what was going on, mm. you know. Totally. And in fact, I'd love to go there and ask, like, we're all about the advice, but these days I've been trying to ask people for advice in terms of how to navigate the industry in this changing, crazy world, mm-hmm. and specifically actors who are not as empowered as the as the um, people yeah. greenlighting projects, or they generally yeah. they're at the bottom of the food chain of Hollywood. Man, yeah. But Hollywood's going through a lot of changes. So, like, what do you say? I mean, what do you recommend to actors just starting out, or actors who are looking to? just do everything you just said and, and really make a difference and really play, play characters that are important and have that voice. I would say, um, love what it is that you bring to the table. Hmm. 
You know, mm. know, know what you bring to the table and love what it is that you bring to the table. Um, because you step into this world and, and actors, performers are, are asked to be so many different things. And mm. we all come out asking for it. Like we, we come out asking for jobs and asking for asking for roles. And we just love totally. it so much. And if you sometimes you can get caught up in wanting a job that you lose track of what you of of who you are, what you represent, you know, what you're after. But I would say that to any young artist out there or young or older, just, you know, stepping into this into this profession is just love what you bring, love what you bring to the table and work on that, work on that, support it and stand up for yourself and stand up for you, stand up for your art. You know, mm. the times are changing so that we don't have to compromise ourselves and our integrity and our art in order to be employed. You know, and I think that the world right. is making space, the artistic world is making space for different voices. And, yeah. and aside from making space, like people are taking space and saying, yeah. you know what, if, you don't, if you're not gonna make space, I'm gonna take space and I'm yeah. gonna tell this story. I demand that this story be told. You know, okay, you're not gonna do it. I'm gonna go to Amazon. Am Amazon's gonna tell it. Oh, Amazon's not gonna tell them. Go to Hulu. Okay, right. I can't get to Amazon or Hulu. Well, guess what? YouTube. Totally. You know, there's some guess good platforms. What? Yeah. Exactly. You know, YouTube. Okay. Well, you know what? Short series on on Instagram. Follow me I'll on do Instagram. It totally. And 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 I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna find my active friends. I'm gonna find my community, and I'm going to take. You know, in the same way that ah. that people are marching in the streets and taking back. You know, taking what's rightfully theirs and taking and, and standing up for what they believe and standing up for, the, for what they want. You know, now's the time for artists to, to, to do the same thing and say, you know what? I'm not asking for my art yeah. to be accepted anymore. I'm going to take the space that I'm looking for. You know, I can't find a yes. I'm going to make a yes. You know what I mean? Okay. And uh, and I'm going to put my art out into the world. And I'm going to love it and I'm going to appreciate it. So whether it's your activism or your artistry, you know, right now is a time to take and to not ask for ask for permission. So that's that's the advice that I will give, you know, to anyone in, entering this industry um, at any at any level right now. Gosh, that is really primo, especially I've never heard it put that way, that, of course, that advice parallels, you know, activists in life and also artists mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, don't ask if, you, you're, if no. you're an actor, you're in the habit of asking, but don't ask. Yeah. Take, 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 make. Make your own way. Absolutely. Beautiful. What kind of audition advice do you tend to give? And have you have you auditioned much since that get down audition, or has it all been? I mean, how many auditions have you had since? I still I I kind of still audition. Um, Okay. I think I'm auditioning less less these days, but I'm 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 down to audition for sure. Um, I auditioned for The Matrix, and that was the last job that I finished. So yeah, I still audition for sure. I wear mismatched socks in my auditions. Okay. Uh, because that already tells me that I've already fucked up. You know what I mean? Um, oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, it takes the pressure off. It's like walking with mismatched socks. I'm already imperfect. You know, so huh. then it takes, the, it takes the pressure off of trying to be perfect because, I, you know. I love that. So I've, I've, I've already done it. Also, I saw this was my very first audition. Cadillac was my, was my second audition. Okay. But my first audition was for... Uh, the O.J. Simpson story, the O.J. versus the people, I think that, that's what it was. Oh, the one that the, it was um, for uh, the, Ryan the uh, yeah, Ryan Murphy, the, the uh, Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown, for bro. Sterling's part. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. For, uh, oh, uh, wow. Darden. 
very my very first audition. I auditioned for that on a Tuesday. I'm still in graduate school and I auditioned for Cadillac on a Thursday. For two Whoa. days later, I auditioned. I auditioned for the get down. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I never forget this and I, I've done it every audition since. I'm sitting in there and I'm doing that audition. And um, Also, did you overlap with Jonathan Majors at Yale? Oh yeah, that guy. That guy, that's my dog. <laughs> That, just that's my dog. Too. Was this actor uh, eventually in this series? Um, I don't know if this actor was in this series, so I won't use his name in okay. this in, in the story. Yeah. But the actor that I really, 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 really admire mm. uh, stepped out of the audition. I'm in the waiting room and I'm, and I'm going over my lines and stuff like that. And um, an actor that I really, really admire walks out of his audition. He rolls up the paper drops it in the trash can, looks at me, gives me a nod, and walks the fuck out of the room. And I said, I said, that's how I'm doing it from now on. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I walk into an audition. I always carry my sides with me into the audition. Okay. Know it verbatim, know it backwards and front, up, you yes. know, up and down, but have it on you, you know, just because just things happen. And then I walk out of the room and I throw the sides in the trash can. Yeah. Before physical. I leave, like I, I throw the sides in the trash yeah. can and I walk the fuck out. Um, and and so That's my advice best. is to go into the room, never go into the room asking for a job. Mm-hmm. You go into the room and you play the part. Gotcha. You know, you go into the room and you play the role and then you walk away. So yeah. that if you don't get the job, you've already played the part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah I've already played the role. I love that. You know, and, uh, and to collaborate, collaborate when you can. I, I, I think auditions are a partnership. Ron Van Loo, another thing that, that that you know that he told us, and Walton Wilson, they they tell they tell you this in, in the Yale auditions. They said everybody in this room has the same goal. You know, the people on this side of the table, when you walk into the room, we want you to be the person to get the job. You know, okay. that's what casting directors, you, you know, uh, they you know they root for you. They want okay. to find the right person. So when you walk into the room, they want you to be the person to get the job. And so that's, you know, I think I try to arm myself with as much as possible so that I know that that I know that uh, uh, there's a lot of goodwill on my side. And, yeah. and that's kind of how I how I tend to think about it. That, that helps with yeah. nerves, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it lowers the stakes. Yeah. And so does the mismatch socks, because you yeah. there's no such thing as a perfect audition. So you might as well yeah. just make it imperfect right off the bat. Right. I've already messed up. So what the heck? That's one, <laughs> right. one less thing. One less thing to worry about. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This is such amazing advice. I have to let you go soon. But we ask these um, actorly, silly, backstage actorly questions of everyone. What is your worst audition horror story? My very first audition back in back at Berkeley. Oh, okay. I did a uh, monologue. I didn't know much about monologues, but I you know, found something from a movie. Uh, Ving Rhames. I did my best Ving Rhames impersonation from the movie Baby Boy. And... Uh-huh. Uh, I just did what he did, and I went in there. I leaned, in, leaned against the pillar, and I talked. I tried to make my voice just like Ving Rhames, and I did his monologue. And the last line of the monologue is, "Guns and butter, you little dumb motherfuckers," something like that. And these two, you know, two two teachers, they sitting in the front row, and I, I'm looking them dead in the fucking eyes. I'm looking them dead in the eyes the entire time. I'm leaning on a pillar because Ving Rains might have been leaning on the wall. I'm smoking a pen because Ving Rains was smoking a cigar. <laughs> and I'm just looking them dead in their eyes. I give them the whole scene from top to bottom. And then I, at the end, you dumb motherfucker.
because and I walk off. I got into the class, but first day I learned that you shouldn't, you know, look the people in the eye when you're doing a when you're doing a monologue. But I had them locked in. I had them locked in. That was that's my most fun. Uh, I think audition story. <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, what about what is one performance you think every actor should see and why? <sighs> James Earl Jones. Ah. In Fences. Okay. On Broadway. Oh my <laughs> God! You talk about lived in and full of life and mm. mischief and just mean and charismatic best stage performance I've ever seen I think yeah James Earl Jones and in, in offenses I saw it at the, I used to go to the Lincoln Center when I was at, at Yale uh, right. and when I get when I get to New York I go to the Lincoln Center and you know at that time you could watch uh old, you know productions of old Broadway plays and things like yes. that and so I would go to the to, to the Lincoln Center and watch uh watch theater you know watch watch old productions and that's actually great advice too. It's a resource that um, I think not a lot of New York actor, not enough New York people know about. Because I've mm-hmm. I've used that too. In fact, I watched Denzel and Viola do fences in that. Same oh yeah. Format. Oh yeah. Then oh and, yeah. Then and, and Denzel brought the house down too. Yeah, it's it's that's a great way to to um to see the kinds of performances that then become your gold standard for acting. It sounds mm-hmm. like this is that was mm-hmm. like is that what like the level of acting that you're always going to try to reach toward. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this much. Um, they sure do send you back to go do your homework. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. they sure do send you back to go do your homework. So, you you know, you know whether or not you gave it your all, you know, after you see so there's some performances that just send you back. I watched Denzel on Training Day. I watched yeah. Denzel on Training Day and then I got to go do I got to go do my vocal exercise. I got to go do my <laughs> go do my go do my text work. I got to go back to work yeah. because yeah. that that was you talk about masterful performances. You know, yeah. I watch uh, John Cazale and anything that John Cazale does, you know, I said, look, you, you, you better learn how to tell the truth, you know, because he mm-hmm. tells the truth. You know, he tells the truth and he, he has no no false movements. You know, um, those are the, you know, some of the performances that are, you know, that are really, really, um, you know, that uh, feed me a lot. Feed you. Yeah. Like if you ever um, you ever feel like you lose your way from what is great acting and then those are the kinds of revisiting those is what kind of reestablishes that center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get those reminders because I mean I'm I'm all, you know, I'm um I'm new in this in this town. I'm a new guy in this town. And sure. There's a lot of shiny stuff in this town. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the shiny stuff is good, but it but you but you gotta keep it in keep it in perspective and you know you gotta remember how you got close to the to the shiny stuff and re- remember that the shiny stuff was not the it was never the goal. It's a, you know, it's mm. a, it's a byproduct, but you know, the, yes. the experience and, and the craftsmanship and what you learn and how you surprise yourself and the effect that you have on other people going back to mm. making other people smile. You know, those are the things that, that, I, that I'm, I'm reminded that I'm in it for. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for like taking listeners on like the advice about how to navigate the industry, the shiny stuff, but mm-hmm. also like it has to keep coming back to the love of craftsmanship. Like mm-hmm. love of the process. Absolutely. That seems 100%. to be, that's the guiding force. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other last minute words of wisdom for listeners, for backstage users? Let's go back to the conversation at the top of the game, at the, at the top and say, take it easy. You know, take it yeah. easy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, take it easy. That's just, that's kind of my, my advice. Listen up, take it easy and, and, and uh, take it from there. I'm going to take that advice too, for sure. Yeah. 2021 needs that. Yeah, That for energy. Sure. Yeah. Um, can I ask one last really random question? I didn't realize that when you were cast in Watchmen, that you didn't know you were playing Dr. Manhattan until uh-huh. afterward. 
Yeah. Congratulations on your Emmy Award, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I waited till the very end of the interview to say that. But um, what? So what? What was that like? I mean, you started playing one character, and you learn you're playing another in the middle of filming. It wasn't the middle. It was like maybe two episodes in, not far oh, beyond okay. that. But we had filmed the pilot and went away. You know, you film the pilot, you use it oh, go away, okay. and then you come back and you do and you and you and you, and you pick up. So. We had came back and we picked up and we we're in, in somewhere in the second episode, maybe second going away to the third, and uh, have a meeting with Damon and uh, and he lets me know that he lets me know the skinny about what's about what's what's really going on. That's um, so crazy. And uh, and it, and, it, and it became this whole entirely different thing, man. And uh, I was I was blessed. I was blessed even beforehand, you know, to play to play Cal. Cal was a stand up guy. You don't see very many characters like him on television, you know strong, solid, supportive man, a husband, totally. staying at home, taking care of the kids, not conflicted about his his about, about his role. You know, he was right. uh, very confident in, in who he was. And, and that was and that's important to, you know, to show that, you know, as well. And I got to do that for what, seven episodes or six episodes or something like that. And then, you know, it was the big guys, you know, time to shine. So I got to I got to do it. <laughs> I got to do it all. That's really cool. It's such an exciting it's really not an exciting year for the planet or for humanity or whatever, but mm. it's a very exciting time to be watching your work. And I'm really excited that. to see Matrix and um, Candyman. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm excited for audience to get in front of that also. Which I know you can't talk about either of those at all, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of how it goes today. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's so great. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. It's been good. And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna-Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Hi guys, Christine McKenna-Torella here. Yaya has a fantastic story, the almost not an actor story. And after listening to him and Jack, I got inspired and, and I went back to revisit his cover story with Backstage back in 2016, which is on the site. And he mentioned it in this interview. He was almost an architect. And he decided to change paths because he got laid off and pursue acting by way of an acting course at, at Yale, an MFA. I love this. In light of the last year and how lots of people have been made to pivot because of the pandemic, the truth is there is no one way. There is no one path on the road to building your career, but you have to invest in yourself and believe in yourself. We've actually interviewed a number of his Trial of Chicago 7 colleagues, including Sasha Barrow Cohen, who is our cover story from last month. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, it's very powerful and very timely, and it's on Netflix. There is no one correct path to building your career, just as there is no one way to correctly audition, apart from preparedness and professionalism, which is universal to all types of interviews and auditions. And I liked Yaya's audition advice, which is take it easy on yourself, right? He deliberately wears mismatching socks so he doesn't have to strive for perfection. How brilliant is that? It takes away the nerves and it lowers the stakes. He said, never go into the room asking for the job. You go into the room and you play the part. You go into the room and you play the role. Then you walk away. But if you don't get the job, you already played the part. Yeah, you also have said that he saw another actor throw away their sides as soon as they had auditioned as a way of kind of cleansing themselves, letting go of the moment that has passed and moving on. 
And as a casting director, I've actually seen that done quite a bit in auditions. So there must be a teacher out there who recommends you do it. And if it helps you, if it helps you let go of the audition, then I am all for it. But what I will say is make sure that the audition is really over. I've seen a lot of actors being called back into the room and fishing sides out of a trash can or begging, you know, a colleague beside them to borrow their sides quickly as they go back in. I love hearing advice like this from actors and they've already done the work and that they find their pathway to enjoy the business of auditioning and being an actor. If you want more advice like this, I want you to check out our column called Backstage 5 online. The idea is that we've had five minutes with an actor and we ask the common, how did you get here questions to that actor. I pulled some of my quotes from the coin feature that I did a few weeks ago on the podcast from this column. And this week I thought I'd highlight one more of Chicago 7's cast, Jeremy Strong. In his Backstage 5 interview, his audition advice was, know the material. He said, that doesn't have to mean prescribed notions of what you're going to do in the room or clever ideas about some effect or result that you want to achieve with it. It really just means know the material backward and forward and maybe a hundred times more than you think you need to. If you don't know it well enough to still know it in the middle of a cyclone, then you don't know it well enough. Only then might you have the ability to present and listen, which is the beginning of everything. I think you can tell why I gravitated towards that particular quote about the cyclone. I think the imagery is fantastic and I'm always on about preparedness and making sure you really feel ready in your room so that you've done all you can to achieve. We have hundreds of these types of articles and columns of Backstage Fives on the site. They're really useful, quick reads on your journey to figuring out your style and voice as an actor. On to the casting calls of this week. HBO's Euphoria is looking for one of their leads on our site. They're looking for a male identifying 18 plus year old to play 17. It's important that they're 18 plus because Euphoria has very adult themes in the season that they have already put out there and this new season that they are casting for. They're seeking submissions nationwide from the US. Must be US for this one. More details on this site and read that breakdown carefully to see if you're a fit. Hershey's is looking for digital voiceover talent for a six-second promo at SAG After Scale. Nationwide, and it'll be recorded at home, so at-home studio capability is important for that casting call. Check it out. And finally, HSN is casting for a new food TV personality. They're interested in influencers and culinary hosts for new segments on their shows. A sincere love of cooking is a must for this one. Take a look at all the details for that listing. There are hundreds of casting calls for all regions and all types of talent over at Backstage.com. Head over there to check out more. Break a leg in all your upcoming auditions and have a beautiful week. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Grouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. 
Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.